Hi ladies, this is Hannah with the Blue Stocking Baptist Podcast. I just wanted to let you know before our regular episode about the Christian podcasting community which Esther and I are a part of. It can be found on the Striving for Eternity website. It's strivingforeternity.org. There are many wonderful podcasts in this community. Podcasts like The Rap Report, Theology Gals, Justin Peters will be doing a podcast on discernment in the future, the Five Solas podcast, and many others. We'd encourage you to go check it out. There will be a link in the show notes, and we hope that you enjoy them. God bless, ladies, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Blue Stocking Baptist Podcast. My name is Hannah Oliver, and I'm here with my co-host, Esther Faulkner. Esther and I are both particular Baptists who hold to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. The Blue Stocking Baptist Podcast is an informal podcast for women with intelligent and literary interests related to Christian doctrine and life. Esther and I both have a passion to see unbelievers come to the faith, and so we hope our material will be used for the furtherance of God's kingdom. We also have a passion for equipping women with the tools they need to exercise discernment, and we desire to see more women understand and love the deep theology that is found in God's word. So on today's episode, we are interviewing Brandon Kimber about the film American Gospel Christ Alone. Brandon Kimber is the director of American Gospel Christ Alone and works at Transition Studios. Thanks, Brandon, for coming on tonight and being willing to talk to Esther and I. Yeah, Yeah. it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it so much. We can't wait to discuss with you more about this film. Um, But before we do that and jump into discussion on the prosperity gospel and um, the the American gospel Christ alone film, we'd we'd love to hear some more about you. Uh, Like, what do you do at Transition Studios and how long have you been with them? Well, I've worked at Transition Studios uh, for about 10 years. we're located in the Cleveland, Ohio area, which is where I was uh, born and raised. Um, and so uh, when I started, we uh, did local crime stoppers television and mm-hmm. then kind of uh, transitioned into doing documentary work. And um, the first two films that I worked on were both uh, wrongful conviction films, so in the crime genre. And after uh, we finished those, my boss basically gave me permission to do a passion project, which is how American Gospel began. Really, that's really cool <laughs> to have that opportunity to do that. Yeah, so, so it, want- it's my well. I don't know if you want me to continue, but yeah, I don't yeah, have go much ahead. Else to say, uh, it's. That is my full-time job at the moment, doing American Gospel uh, editing. That's what I'm currently doing, working on the second film, Christ Crucified. Um, But we also do some corporate commercial works. We're just a small video production company, and uh, but our focus is documentaries. Is Transition Studios Christian or... Like, is your boss Christian, or is this just something that he's allowed you to do since it's what you're passionate about? 
Uh, I would just say our, our company is a secular company. It, it's not like a ministry or anything. Okay. That's what um, I was kind of wondering. Yeah. That answers that then. Yeah. That's really cool. I didn't realize that. That's really cool. So could you tell us a little bit about your family? Well, I'm married and I have four children, seven and under. The youngest is about six months. Um, yeah, I have two other brothers. I'm the oldest of three. So what do you like to do for fun? Well, with a young family, <laughs> it's kind of hard to get out and do a lot of stuff. But when we do, uh, we go to a lot of restaurants together, playgrounds, the movies sometimes. Um, personally, a video was my hobby and now it's a job so mm -hmm. it's not really <laughs> something I do for fun much anymore just because you know when when things become your job you kind of want to escape it and I've been wanting to like do some fun videos with my kids they're kind of older and now able to take direction <laughs> Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, they, they couldn't do that very well. But I did, I did see some pretty funny videos that you had made. I think it was with your daughter and son where you like made her disappear. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was seamless. <laughs> just so you know, either you are a real magician or you're just very good at editing because I was pretty impressed. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I've done some flying superhero things with my daughter as well, but that was like three years ago. I got to try it again. I think I saw you post that too with the green screen in the background. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a little bit about how Esther and I know Brandon. Um, it's because of American Gospel Christ Alone. And so around uh, January, just at the beginning of the year, Esther and I had the privilege of seeing someone who's – pretty prominent or was very prominent in the um, New Apostolic Reformation and Word of Faith um, community. And we got to see firsthand how God used this film to open her eyes and bring her out of deception. And so shortly after all of that happened, I was just so floored by what God was doing that I had emailed Brandon to let him know because I thought everybody on earth needed to know <laughs> because I just thought it was so amazing. And so that's kind of how Esther and I know Brandon is from just that experience um, with the film and then reaching out to him about the film. And so we've kind of had the privilege to get to know him a little bit better. Um, and so we're really excited that Brandon agreed to come on our little teeny tiny podcast and talk about the prosperity gospel uh, with us and to kind of talk about his future films and what God is doing with um, these films. So, Brandon, will you kind of tell us about your film, American Gospel, Christ Alone, and what had motivated you to make the film? Yeah, sure. I guess to sum up the film, you could say the topic is, is Christianity Jesus plus or Christ plus? Mm -hmm. And so in the film, at the beginning, I cover the topic of moralistic preaching which is kind of Christ plus works. Mm -hmm. And then the latter remaining two hours <laughs> is uh, about the word of faith movement, which would be Christ plus 
health, wealth, miracles, etc. And this is kind of really based on my personal experience in growing up in the church. I grew up in a charismatic church with some word of faith influences. Um, I can remember my parents going to Benny Hinn crusades and watching those on like VHS and our church uh, at some point in the nineties split because of the Toronto blessing, which is also called the Holy laughter movement. Um, this kind of a, a laughing revival that happened in Toronto and kind of spread across the whole country. It's actually, I would say, responsible for Bethel Reading today. Um, so our church was very divided over this this new movement, and my family went with the pro Toronto group and so that church that I grew up in I saw you know that the crazy manifestations that you see happening at Bethel and Reading right now from slain in the spirit people laying on the floor shaking laughing and falling out of their chairs this was just kind of like normal for me <laughs> and I always thought it was a little weird um but I guess around age 15, my parents took us out of that church and we were in an, a Nazarene church, which was not anything like that at all. So I stopped thinking about that for a while until maybe about four years ago, um, I came across these documentaries by a guy named Darren Wilson. And a few of those are, you know, they're called Holy Ghost or Father of Lights, Finger of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I can't, yeah, I watched those too. All of that stuff brought up all these memories from the old church that I attended. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know, I need to figure out <laughs> what I grew up in because I wasn't sure what to believe. I, you know, I guess to back up, while I was in college, I have a story that's pretty similar to most or many people. I, I was on YouTube and I came across the Paul Washer sermon and that kind of <laughs> rocked my w world a bit and led me down the path of reformed theology. Um, I just really, uh, you know, I came out of this very vague, shallow gospel, and after hearing the gospel clearly presented, it just kind of clicked. And um, over time, I started noticing that what I was hearing in my own church was moralistic preaching, which is basically just preaching the commands of Scripture you know, love more, serve more, do this, yeah. do that, without hearing about the finished work of Christ. You know, it would be mentioned in a brief summary, but there, was, there wasn't like a, a Christ-centered preaching, you know. And I found myself getting very frustrated and um, heartbroken, 
had lots of conversations, but there wasn't a lot of agreement there. And so this was all happening during the process of like making this film. And I would say <laughs> the outcome was I ended up leaving my own church <laughs> while working on the film because I realized there was an issue there. That, oh, wow. Yeah. That's really hard. That's a lot uh, to kind of like experience and unpack. I mean, because I came out of Pentecostalism growing up. And so I kind of, I also watched those same films that you were talking about. Is it Darren Wilson? Yeah. And I remember watching them with my husband and I was like, do you really believe that like God will put crystals in people's Bibles? Like, <laughs> could this be happening or the gold dust? But it was interesting because I remember some things in those film, like they really had bothered me, like the crystals and the gold dust and stuff like that. But other things I did believe with the healings and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and things like that. So I felt very conflicted when I had seen those films as well. Yeah, and I would say the one thing that stood out, and especially with like Todd White, is I was not hearing like the bad news, you know. <laughs> like sin and Yeah, sin judgment. and repentance, like anything to show people that they needed a savior. And that that was kind of troubling in my mind because, you know, I was just starting to realize the importance of that. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of what was missing from my church, I would say. It was my old church. The people were, I would say, reacting against a form of legalism or dead Christianity. And it was very, like, hyper-grace. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't, like, a balanced view of God which when I f first started to learn about that and understand that there wasn't a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, mm -hmm. I started noticing that this is kind of the pattern in this NAR type of Word of Faith church that I grew up in. One thing that I didn't say was like, so my motivation for making this film was really to help kind of my friends and family that I saw still with one foot in this bad theology. And I just wanted to create a tool that would help them kind of see what I was seeing, see the biblical gospel and how these counterfeits are adding to and distorting it mm -hmm. so brandon for our listeners who maybe didn't grow up with any kind of idea of prosperity gospel or the word of faith movement could you kind of give us um definitions of those terms for us well the there are a few doctrines that people who follow prosperity teaching would believe and I'd say the main one is the belief that it's always God's will to heal and that a Christian be wealthy or prosper. And um, one of the uh, ways that you can accomplish this is through your words of faith. And so they believe that your positive words or positive confessions can 
change your reality. So if you speak health or wealth, in, you can speak it into existence, existence almost the same way that God in creation spoke creation into existence. So there's this kind of making our words um, kind of equal to God's creative words. Uh, there's a there's a doctrine called the little gods doctrine, which kind of plays into that that very same thing. But yeah, that's kind of those are kind of the main doctrines, and you know, it's using faith as a, a force that we direct at God to kind of create or to get what we want to um, <laughs> to have almost using God as a genie, you could say, or yeah, to in God's arm. Yeah, or activating blessings, right? Yeah. So, Brandon, what is the history of the prosperity gospel movement specifically? Um, Where would you pinpoint in church history when it kind of was born? How did it develop? And why do you think that it's so prevalent in American Christianity today? Well, there's a guy named E.W. Kenyon who was around, uh, born around 1867 died 1948 i think he's considered like the grandfather of the word of faith movement and his theology that he taught um was is really what a lot of today's modern prosperity word of faith teachers are teaching and um you know he taught positive confession to overcome sickness and poverty he taught what's called a trichotomy which is that human uh, humans are made of three parts spirit soul and body and that our spirit is made of the same substance as god he also taught you know god's words of faith created the world the world and now we can exercise that same that same faith which is kind of what i talked about before one of the main I'd say biggest errors is there's a quote from Kenyon that says the believer is as much of an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. And this, this belief um, I would say goes into the realm of heresy because it's distorting the nature of Jesus. Mm -hmm. A lot of today's, um, teachers including Todd White and Bill Johnson will say that Jesus um, in the incarnation laid aside all divinity every bit of deity and that he was just a man in right relationship with God and he was not God he did not he did not live his sinless life as God just a man he did not perform his miracles as God and so then they say therefore because we are also men with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. we can do the same thing. We can live a sinless life. We can do miracles just like Jesus, even greater miracles. And so the problem with this is that if you believe a Christ that wasn't both fully and truly God and fully and truly man in the incarnation, you 
are lost. Yeah, because you believe in a false Jesus. You don't believe in the you don't believe yeah. in the, the Jesus who is God. Yeah, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Uh mm-hmm. if if he was not fully God, uh, I mean <laughs> the reason why the infinite debt of your sins could be paid for by Christ is because he was the infinite God. (laughs) He was of ultimate infinite value. And that's the only reason why he could absorb that wrath, the wrath of God. And it does kind of set up us to become like little gods in a way, like we could become so much like Jesus to be sinless even on earth but i don't know how much of that is starting to bleed into more of today's other types of false teachings or just the prosperity gospel movement itself um but when you were bringing that up i was kind of thinking about todd white and the progression of how how that's even developed in in today's culture um that's isn't that called the kenosis yeah heresy Yeah, or canonic theology. Okay. Um, I I guess I didn't really make the connection from Kenyon to Hagen to Copeland. <laughs> so this teaching from Kenyon was actually plagiarized by a man named Kenneth Hagen. And Kenneth Hagen, um, his teaching was adopted by a man who's still alive today named Kenneth Copeland. And Copeland is, you know, preaching the same uh, deification of man and demotion of Christ. And you also see today, like, men like Todd White, who consider Copeland a spiritual mentor, teaching this the same exact thing. So you can kind of follow that teaching back in time to E.W. Kenyon. Okay. I definitely see that, just having you explain that. Um, Oh, I didn't answer, why is it so prevalent? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason the prosperity gospel is so popular is because everyone wants to be healthy and wealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I want to quote, if I can quote Benny Hinn, he says, nobody wants to die, nobody wants to be sick, and nobody wants to be poor. I mean, these are like our natural um, human desires. And so those things are all very attractive to us um, just by nature. And so, you know, the true gospel would say you need to deny yourself, (laughs) take up your cross. We're promised suffering, persecution, and death. So it's kind of very opposite of attractive you could say it has a cost to there's a cost to follow jesus jesus isn't all isn't all beautiful paved gold roads on this side it's our reward is in heaven but it's really interesting to think about i think it's i think it's prevalent just because america in america at least because we're obsessed with materialistic we're, we're consumers. We 
we love to have stuff. We are fed well. <laughs> we have everything that we could possibly want or need at any grocery store or any shopping mall or one Amazon click away with our fingers, anything could be delivered to our door. And so I think it's prevalent just because in America, just because we are obsessed with comfort in ourselves. Um, but the American dream. yeah, it's, it's a quintessential kind of like a, isn't that in your film, that quote <laughs> quintessential American religion, or is that talking about Mormonism? <laughs> That's Mormonism. <laughs> yeah. I feel like both Mormonism and the prosperity gospel, though, are very much American <laughs> yeah. religions that people, they, they, like you're saying, it's our natural inclination to desire them. But obviously, the prosperity gospel isn't just in America because isn't it most, the second most prevalent place is in Africa and, and it, it's taken off there too. So, mm-hmm. oh, it's everywhere, even in, even in wealthier countries, um, surprisingly, I've been told that the problem is pretty big in like Norway. Oh, really? Yeah. It's That's weird. <laughs> so we've kind of started to scratch at this next question. Um, how is the prosperity gospel an attack on the true biblical gospel we see in scripture? Well, as I said before, <laughs> On one hand, the prosperity gospel is um, promising comfort, health, and wealth. And then you have the biblical gospel explaining that there's a cost, you, a promise of suffering where you might not have that comfort, health, and wealth. I mean, just look at the, uh, the lives of the apostles and the, the persecution and the death that they, they experienced. Um, there's also an attack on the sovereignty of God. Um, you know, our purpose is to glorify God, to serve him. And the prosperity gospel is kind of flipping that around and saying that God is here to serve us and to meet all our needs. And you have Um, the control with your words to make God do what you want by your faith. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, attributing the attributes of God to man. So we become little gods. And, you know, Jesus is, is, is more of an example for us rather than, you know, a unique savior. They're making him into just merely a man. Then we can do everything he did rather than his work kind of being unique and, and pointing to his deity and when it comes to evangelism you know there's a real problem with false converts i would say because you're attracting people to this this gospel of blessing Um, come to jesus because he's going to give you all these things so jesus becomes a means to some other end so what you really want is, you know, health and wealth, your dreams and destiny, um, and not really Jesus. So there's this idolatry issue there where mm-hmm. you're, you're not coming to Christ because of a love for Christ and seeing what he did for you um, 
for your sin and your salvation. You're coming to him for other reasons. Brandon, a, a totally different question from what we've kind of been talking about. How is American Gospel Christ Alone film different from other major discernment ministry type videos and websites? Because you know that there are a lot of people who are accused of being heresy hunters. How do you kind of deal with that criticism and how is this film different? Is it a heresy hunt or is it something totally different? I would say it's different. <laughs> um, there's a lot of personal stories interwoven with these examples of false teaching and and stuff like that. So this, these are coming from people who were in these movements, hurt by these movements. And so there's a, I, th I think the human element, uh, you know, coming from people that experience this themselves, I think they come across very loving and not condemning. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, not ashamed of speaking the truth. Um, we do get, I guess, accused of being heresy hunters or creating division, but honestly, I don't see how you can come to that conclusion after you watch the film. I mean, I've, I've heard other people say the same thing. I can't really rely on my own, um, <laughs> my own interpretation of my own film. It's, it's kind of biased, but. I mean, my interpretation of your film is that it's not a heresy hunting film because the first hour is pretty much just a perfectly clear <laughs> presentation of the gospel. And then you go in to just show how the word of faith movement is not that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't think you could even, it, it isn't even really a valid criticism because when all you're doing is showing how wonderful Christ is and how great his gospel is and how people have been hurt by false gospels and how they've come to the true knowledge of who Christ really is and what Christ really did for them and how they're resting in that. Um, I, I think it would be different if you just created a film where all you were doing is listing why you don't like these men in the film, men and women in the film. But yeah, I definitely think that the personal stories in it of people who, you know, real have realized that they were deceived and come out of deception, like giving their, their testimonies of how God, brought them out of those teachings definitely, you know, makes a big difference and shows that it's a lot different from certain organizations, websites that just, here's what these people have done, maybe, <laughs> and don't give any kind of clear evidence. I love the videos in it of the people you know, Benny Hens, you know, it's, it's his words, mm -hmm. Kenneth Copeland, his words. It's not just someone saying that they said this. Yeah. And, you know, people will even, will still accuse us of taking those examples out of context. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> that isn't true. Uh, <laughs> but I guess you have to take my word for it. Um, really 
the people that are saying that are the ones that are following these teachers and they're just offended. Mm -hmm. So how do you respond to criticism about not going to the false teachers that you, that are, that are mentioned in the film and have you spoken to any of the false teachers after the fact? Well, um, first, I contacted a lot of the people that we were critiquing and they either declined or ignored our interview requests. Um, there's a verse in like Matthew 18, 15 to 17, where, you know, it's about going to your brother privately when he sins against you. Mm -hmm. um, that, that verse is like the context of a local church. Yeah. And so that doesn't really apply to a public ministry, you know, with public teaching that is going all over the world, really. Um, so a public ministry really requires a, a public response because you need to protect your flock or <laughs> the people that you love from, from that teaching. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of these teachers have, they have a history where they have been rebuked many times over the last couple decades mm -hmm. and they have not repented. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking someone like Kenneth Copeland. And so I really don't think that criticism applies in this situation. Um, you know, and we tried, <laughs> we tried to give them a chance to, uh, defend themselves but you know they didn't want to yeah um i've seen it for i've seen this criticism a lot and i know you've seen it too of where people accuse you of making this film a cessationist versus continuationist film which would mean for our listeners who don't know like uh, a continuation of the the apostolic gifts like healing tongues um prophecy and uh a, a, a them ceasing would be the other position that I was referring to um, of the, of these gifts in today's age after the apostles died. And I'm just wondering what your response is when people accuse you of this and um, how do you explain or defend that that's not the point of the film? Well, when I first, when I hear anyone say that, I know that they haven't watched the film. <laughs> um, I purposely try to avoid that debate mm -hmm. and just focus on the key, you know, errors or the, the gospel essentials. And when it comes to the issue of God's will and healing, I was just trying to attack the specific error in the word of faith movement, mm -hmm. which both cessationists and continuationists can agree upon. And I also had, um, both cessationists and continuationists in the film. I know yeah. it is true that the majority were cessationists, but it shows you that there is an agreement across that divide about the issue of God's will and healing. Um, is it, you know, the word of faith view is, is it always God's will to heal physically in this life? And, their answer is yes. And if it doesn't happen, it's because you don't have enough faith or you have hidden sin. You need, you know, you know, 
you need to muster up enough faith to unlock that healing. God wants to give it to you, but, you know, it's your fault. And that really creates a lot of damage to people's faith um, because they don't have a, a biblical view about the sovereignty of God in the healing. Is there an overlap with the Word of Faith movement and the New Apostolic Reformation movement? And what's the history behind that, Brandon? Well, the New Apostolic Reformation, um, you know, they, there's the fundamental belief there is the belief in modern day apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. And I would put people like Bill Johnson and Todd White into that category um what i would i guess what i would consider word of faith i tend to see word of faith uh people like the televangelists they're they're emphasizing um wealth and they're not really ashamed of showing their greed like on television um whereas like people in the NAR, their focus is more on healing and the Holy Spirit and like the presence of God and revival. Um, they they do believe that you know you'll hear someone like Chris Ballatin at Bethel Church. You know he has a book called um, "Poverty, Riches, and Wealth," and mm-hmm. you know he does teach that it is always God's will that you're health or wealthy. Um, and you know, people in Bethel do the positive confession thing. They read it off the screen and ask the Lord for jobs, better jobs, raises, bonuses. So there are, um, there are similarities and what you're seeing is men like Bill Johnson and Todd White partnering with people like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and uh, you know speaking at this each other's conferences um and i'd say the history goes back to the toronto blessing um bill johnson attended the toronto blessing and claims he caught the fire of the holy spirit there and brought it back to reading and that's kind of how how the whole bethel church movement kind of kicked off you know but if you look at who is behind the quote-unquote fire from the toronto blessing it goes back to benny hen and kenneth copeland so that's kind of where i see that historical connection you had like benny hen praying for uh what's the guy's name randy clark and randy clark is the guy that spoke in toronto at um the arnott's church when this whole holy laughter thing broke out and you know so that's that would be the historical connection i would say um this this movement is coming from two men who I would say are false teachers, uh, Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. Mm-hmm. So do you kind of, would you describe it as almost like a stepping stone in progression of 
teaching where here's like word of faith and then another step up would be new apostolic reformation but they're different and they have distinctives but they build off one another yeah i would agree with that um and you know again with the nar they'll talk about you know like todd white will say you shouldn't follow jesus because of the gifts he'll give you but at the same time he's saying that it is god's will that you're wealthy and that you can we need to show the world how um god blesses christians so that they'll want to become christians so it's like (laughs) he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth Mm-hmm. It's like warning against idolatry, but at the same time, let's use wealth to attract people to Christ. <laughs> but it, like, I also kind of think about even just the send, which happened in Florida. Wasn't that, what month was that? Was that in the spring? Yeah. 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 So, because this, the send, the send happened in the spring and you saw both Benny Hinn, Todd White, um, sharing a stage and other prominent, people from both word of faith backgrounds and new apostolic reformation backgrounds kind of coming together. And it's almost like there is now blurring. There's a blurring of lines of even historical roots of how they got to where they are um, mm-hmm. and kind of a uniting together for the furtherance of revival almost I would describe yeah. it as, but yet they, there is a different, Benny Hinn has an emphasis that's different than it's going to be than Todd's white, but Todd white is still going to consider Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, who he said is, is a mentor to him in the faith in a, in a clip. We know that he admires these men. And so even though his theology is different, they still are kind of linking arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of talking about building off what we're talking about a little bit about the New Apostolic Reformation. I know that's not the point of this film or, or the point of this episode. We were more trying to focus on the prosperity gospel since that's what your uh, first film is on. But do you have intentions to create a film tackling the New Apostolic Reformation? Yes, I do. Um, I would say, again, my interest is the Toronto Blessing. This is a this is an event a revival um, that I attended when I was younger. My parents took us there, so I've always been kind of more fascinating with fascinated with um, this idea of what is the true work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, are these manifestations that we're seeing um, biblical? Um, I would. I want to focus more on that kind of like their power gospel encounter gospel stuff versus, um, you know, answering the question about whether modern day apostles and prophets are for today, you know, (laughs) are, are apostles and prophets for today, you know, that will be discussed, but I don't want to dwell on that. Mm -hmm. I think they, the key gospel issues are like the person of Christ yeah, and you know, how do we share the gospel? What is the true work of the Holy spirit? Type yeah, of thing. Mm-hmm. definitely. Okay. So next we kind of have a, we thought it would be a fun 
question to ask. So out of all of the interviews that you did for the American Gospel Christ Alone film, which interview was your favorite? That's a tough question. Um, I, I'd say I really enjoyed my interview with uh, Catherine and Russell Berger. Um, they're a couple I met online through Facebook uh, that live in Alabama. Um, in the film, Catherine kind of shares her story um, with her, her struggle with her, a genetic disorder called Ehlers-Donlos mm-hmm. and just the suffering that um, she has endured just just seeing uh just seeing her faith and strength in that was just pretty amazing um i guess if i want to talk about another person i i'd say one of my favorite interviews was with paul washer (laughs) (laughs) and because that one's kind of almost like personal with you talking at the very beginning kind of encountering that his, his, his videos famous, yeah yeah his famous youth sermon yeah it was uh it was an interview that i really wanted to do um it was it's kind of funny because he first declined my interview <laughs> um he uh he had been involved in some other film which he ended up regretting and so they were kind of not wanting to deal with that anymore and mm-hmm. I ended up visiting their church in person because um, I have some in-laws that live nearby and kind of convinced them to change their mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Who are you looking forward to interviewing in the future? Um, to be honest, I can't like think of, I would say like a celebrity Christian that's well known. I'm honestly kind of tired of (laughs) pursuing (laughs) people like that because, you know, people end up, uh, how do I say this, caught up in some false distortion and then I end up getting criticized for using them Uh. later on because (laughs) they've drifted or something like that Mm -hmm. um i would just say i'm looking forward to meeting you know your average person who i don't know about yet um i always think those are (laughs) the most interesting interviews like i said with you know Catherine russell Mm -hmm. and Catherine russell's is my favorite interview so (laughs) They're some of the coolest people ever. Yeah, and you become friends with them. It's so that's another plus. This is more. This last question is more of a personal question for you, Brandon. Um, working on this film and working on your other films, how has God stretched and challenged you throughout this, and how have you grown in a deeper understanding of the gospel? Well, as I mentioned before, during the making of this film i ended up leaving my church um you know i felt like i wasn't being 
fed the gospel. Um, that sounds consumeristic, I guess, but <laughs> I think that's the purpose of the church to feed the sheep. And then they go out to, you know, share that with others. And some people have what's called an attractional church model where it's all about trying to entertain or feed lost people. And sadly, the people who are Christians in the church are kind of starving. It's, it's pretty sad. Um, I've kind of realized the importance of and the value of hearing the gospel over and over and being reminded of the gospel. And I've, I, I feel like it's really impacted my ability to overcome sin um, in my own life. Um, you know, in the film, I kind of talk about the being reminded of how Christ loves you in the gospel increases your love and obedience to Christ. Um, sin has a power over us because we love it. And so if our love for Christ is increasing and our minds are focused on him, um, we, we have a greater power over that, that temptation to sin. And I, I think I've seen that work out in my own life. And um, I guess I've just been really encouraged to just see how God <laughs> has used the film to impact other lives. I mean, it's all glory to God. It's his gospel, his truth revealed, you know, to me. And it's, um, it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Okay, so Brandon, how can we pray for you and how can people support what you're doing? Well, one of the things that we get accused of is hypocrisy for selling a film <laughs> <laughs> about the prosperity gospel. So apparently we're not allowed to make money or we're hypocrites. Um, <laughs> first, let me remind you that our company is not a ministry, so we don't get donations from partners. And so, you know, it costs a couple hundred thousand dollars <laughs> to make a film over three or four years from everything like travel and paying people to do music and animation. And so that is our primary way of surviving as a company. Yeah. And to make more films, we're kind of, um, we're dependent on our previous films making back the money that we spent on them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's a way to support um, as far as prayer. Just pray that, uh, I guess, for wisdom and clarity in my thinking that the Lord would lead me in the editing process because it's very complex mm -hmm. and there are some potential obstacles that could be anything from legal to 
cooperation with, you know, people that I've interviewed that they're not, um, they don't agree with my position, but they agree to be interviewed, but they haven't signed their release yet. So to pray that they will <laughs> still want to remain in the film after seeing <laughs> the final cut. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, just maybe protection from attacks, however that might come. Those are good things. I was, I wanted to add when you were kind of talking about hypocrisy um, for making money on your film, how as Christians we're called to steward what God has given us and like be good stewards and you would not be a good steward of your family or anything that you owned if you did this job, but then had no way to feed your family. And then you were a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's not, it's not hypocrisy to work hard and feed your family. (laughs) Yeah. And the key error of the prosperity gospel is not being wealthy. It's, it's creating a pyramid scheme um, where you're on top and you're telling everyone, if you sow a seed to my ministry, God's going to bless you. And so you're, you're, you're teaching something unbiblical and preying on the vulnerable for your own personal, uh, you know, wealth. <laughs> so that, that is, that is the error when it comes to wealth. Like it's not a sin to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and last question. Where can people watch the film American Gospel Christ Alone? Well, we have a free one-hour version on YouTube. If you just search American Gospel Christ Alone one-hour version. (laughs) Um, But the full film is on iTunes and Amazon, uh, Google Play, Vimeo, and also uh, DVD and Blu-ray. All of those um, formats you can find at AmericanGospelFilm.com. And if you click on the little Watch Now tab, you can see all the, the whole list of all the formats. We'll be sure to link that in our, in our show notes. And I, re- I remember the first time that my husband and I, when we watched the film, it was through, I think it was through Vimeo. Yeah. And then then we bought one copy. Uh and then we bought 25 more to <laughs> give out to family. <laughs> and now we're completely out cuz we've even let somebody borrow our our copy. Esther's <laughs> asking for donations, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I I really like this film. So we just want to end this episode um with Big thanks to Brandon for coming on and talking to us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> we do really, really appreciate it. And just as a reminder, the film is called American Gospel Christ Alone. The second film, which is coming out in the fall, is called American Gospel Christ Crucified. Um, and like Brandon said, he's making other films as well. And so just be praying for him. Um, support him financially if you're able to purchase his film, buy it for family members. Um, It's also important to understand that this film is not just for people who are in word of faith. 
this film has saved people who were Jehovah's Witnesses, who came out of Roman Catholicism, um, who came out of the New Apostolic Reformation, just ordinary believers who came out of moralistic preaching. Um, lots of different people who are realizing that they've never heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ preached are coming to faith. And so this is a film for everyone, both the unbeliever and the Christian, because God is using it to save people because his gospel is in it. And um, it's my opinion that Brandon does a wonderful job of presenting the gospel in its clarity. Very, very precise. Um, it's, it's a very loving film. Um, it's winsome and gentle and gracious and worth your time to watch. So just as a reminder, we want you to promote uh, this episode and share with other people about American Gospel. If you've seen American Gospel, pass it on to people who you think would benefit uh, um, benefit to watch it and comment on this, share it, do whatever you need to do to get the gospel into the hands of people who know it or don't know it. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to our listeners. We've actually had an increase in listenership uh, just recently, uh, specifically in Texas. We did have a Ooh, Texas. I know Texas is really doing great. <laughs> uh, we had a girl reach out to us on Instagram earlier today named Lauren, and she was super sweet and encouraging, um, said that she went to Dallas Baptist University, which is apparently where Costi Hinn went to school and played baseball. And so I thought that was interesting since we're talking about the <laughs> prosperity gospel. Uh, Costi also has a book as well. This has nothing to do with, with, <laughs> with Cosby, but I know he just wrote a book on the prosperity gospel as well. If you've seen American gospel and you also want to learn more um, about the prosperity gospel, that'd be a really good resource as well as another book that I've read by him um, called defining deception that more covers the uh, new apostolic reformation, but his new book I've heard is really, really good. And so there's an, there's an option for you to um, learn more about the prosperity gospel. And just as a reminder, we believe that everyone is a theologian and you are either a good one or a bad one. And our hope with our podcast is to stir in women a love for good theology and to encourage women in their faith as they walk in obedience and grow in holiness. We want to remind everyone that our podcast is only a tool. It is not church and it does not replace discipleship. And so we'd encourage all of our listeners to find a local church and become a member. We have resources on our website for those who are seeking a church, and we are always happy to help anyone who is struggling to find a healthy church. You can email us at thebluestockingbaptist at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at thebluestockingbaptist. You can also find us on Twitter at SheBaptists. We also have a Patreon if you would like to support us financially. And just as a reminder, continue to pray for Esther and her husband, Joey, as they're seeking to raise funds uh, to be sent to Ecuador as missionaries. We also want to remind everyone that the Blue Stacking Baptists are a part of the Christian podcasting community. The community can be found on the Striving for Eternity website, and there are many wonderful podcasts that you can also access there. We, we always like to end with a Bible verse, and so today's verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, which says, For I deliver to you as a first important." If first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Thanks for joining us, ladies, and we hope you join us next time. God bless. <laughs>